Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. The largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, and welcome back to the show. It is Thursday, June 13th, 2013, and um, I think Donna was cutting it very, very close there. I'm Alan Smith, your host, and Donna Smith hosts as well, and I don't know if she made it or not, but did you make it there, Donna? I'm here. Well, I was watching the clock, and you were walking over there with six seconds left. You just make me sweat. I know. I know. I do it on purpose. You know that. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is going to be one of those open forum nights, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, we're just going to open it up and talk and whatever comes to uh, comes to mind, because uh, I don't know about you, but I have nothing here ready, so we'll just kind of roll along and see what happens. But, I mean, I know there's plenty to talk about. I put some up there, the truck parking issue that never seems to go away, and this Minnesota Coon Rapids, Rapids, Minnesota thing, the HOS rules coming up July first, and but we'll just leave that up to the callers, right? Yep, we got <clears throat> plenty to talk about. I mean, it's almost like you don't have to prepare for it anymore because you know you you you've just got it down. It's like a daily thing, but um, these are pretty much the hot topics tonight. <clears throat> um, I did want to go over a little bit of that uh, Coon Rapids uh, incident, you know, that happened. And I don't know if everybody who's listening is aware of it, but um, uh, Stephen Weber had posted um, uh, a note that he had taken a picture. And it was a, 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 a letter on a truck driver's truck, and it's pretty much said, you know, Trucks aren't wanted here, pretty much. And you know what? I did. I even printed out because you know I wanted to read what the letter said. Hold on, just give okay. me a well, second. Okay. Well, you're going to jump right into it here. Well, we don't have to. Nope. Well, I, we can we can wait. Well, yeah, we'll get the break and then we'll come back. And if you want to start with that, that's fine. And got some callers lining up here, so. 
you can jump in after that, and then we'll uh, we'll just open up the lines to the callers and let them go where they want to go, right? Okay. All right. So we'll be back talking trucking, open forum. That's what we're doing this evening on Truth About Trucking Live. Hang with us, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live. And I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of Zada, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers owner-operators, and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, sort, view, and analyze data to help lower costs, increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. Their simple plug-and-play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud-based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at xrscorp.com, and you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology platform. Check them out at xrscorp.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, boy, Donna, you were just ready to jump in there, huh? Oh, you have it on mute. 
Okay, got it off. You know, I everybody, I do that just in case the dog or something barks, and so nobody has to go ahead and uh, listen to all that. But he's he's kind of mellow tonight, so hopefully we'll get through the show without the barking. Well, listen. Okay. Well, if you want to start with that, and then we'll uh, we'll just open up the lines. Uh, let's see. I'll do them in order. We have Texas, Delaware, and North Dakota right now. So. But if you wanted to start up with something, and then we'll go and we'll just open up the lines and just get everybody on here. Well, I, I just wanted to wrap up. There was a show last night, and I actually called in over on Center Lane. It was a really good show. And um, this uh, Coon Rapids deal is basically the people in the town uh, got mad because this driver had his truck parked um, in a strip mall, left a nasty note, and uh, I thought I had it written what the note was. Um, oh, yeah, I do. Okay, I thought I did. It says, attention, trucker, for your information, uh, read the sign posted, no overnight parking in this shopping center. Uh, the Coon Rapid City Council passed an ordinance this spring to crack down on all semi-trucks, etc., uh, parking in any of our shopping districts. The police department will issue expensive tickets. Just a friendly reminder for you, for a new City to uh, park, find a new city to park your rig. We do not like these eyesores in our city. And it says, for information, I've called the police. I think what happened, it would have been okay if that sentence, we do not like these eyesores in our city. I think that's really strong. Well, and, and then he calls the police. I mean, it's just a little weasel there in Minnesota. I mean, I like to meet this little weasel. Well, actually, it, it looked like it was a woman's handwriting. It, well, I like to meet this little Mrs. Weasel then. <laughs> and so, anyway, Stephen Weber, who um, he says he might come on uh, tonight, but he took a picture of this note on the truck. And he put it on Facebook and he tagged us because we have the truck. Uh, parking, you know, shortage in the national survey and Jason's law, and he said, I think this is, you know, this is fitting for you guys. So, you know, we then put it up on the Coon Rapids page, and from there it just went crazy. You know, drivers were angry, and you know, you don't blame them when you say, oh, we don't want your eyesore. Okay, then you don't want the contents that's hanging on to the eyesore either, and that's pretty much, you know, the way it went for quite a few comments. I mean, it went on. Um, in a nutshell, you know, uh, let's see, uh, Jeff Barker called up. It turns out he called up the city council. turned out that it was they were having a very big problem with the residents of the city because the residents can't have any parking uh, on their prop, you know, on their streets or anything. So when the drivers come home, they have nowhere to park. Now, they could pay for parking like um, like we did, I, I you know, there wasn't parking in our development either. Uh, but evidently, they you know, they either made an arrangement with the people at the strip mall or they took it upon themselves to say, hey, you know, nobody's here. You know, we're not going to bother anybody. We'll just leave it here. Uh, town got fed up. They did the ordinance. Problem with the ordinance was that uh, it only allows for eight hours of uh, that you could stay overnight. And actually, I could even read a, a little portion of that. The city did pass an ordinance regulating overnight parking for vehicles weighing over 26,000 pounds gross weight in February for drivers who park or store their vehicles in a place affected by the public interest between the hours of 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. 
which is kind of weird because I don't see how it affects the public interest between 9 and 6. But anyway, if truckers are in the approved uh, queue area waiting to load or unload, they can remain there for up to eight hours, and that's for unloading and loading. Um, it had nothing to do with overnight parking. Well, you know, that was a big problem. I'm going to let um, Richard. Is Richard on the line? Is there a 302? Well, we have, we have Texas. That might be Jeff. We have Delaware. That's probably Richard. And we have a caller way over there in North Dakota. So Okay. Well, <clears throat> uh, anyway, he's going to explain to you that he wrote up the hours of service to explain to the uh, city of Coon Rapids, and I guess Jason Haggard, who lives in uh, Coon Rapids, is going to go over there and talk to them and say, listen, this is the deal, okay? This is what we go through, and um, here, eight hours isn't sufficient. You know, this is, this is just one city out of many. I mean, you know, I ran into this in many, many places across the country. So, Well, what the deal is it's getting so much exposure that we could really um we're using it now as a way to create awareness because the people in uh Coon Rapids, you know, obviously have no idea about the federal regulations, uh the mandates, nothing. All they know is they see a truck, they don't want it there, and they have no idea about the truck parking shortage or anything like that. So this is like a rude awakening and they're symbolic of just um you know, many cities throughout the United States. So we're using it as a um, as a way to create an awareness throughout the country because this is just an example. So anyway, I I really wanted uh, Rich to come on if he could and explain what. Well, um, let me let me take them in order. Let me just get who's here. Texas was here first, so uh, let's just see. Uh, Texas area code two one zero. Who we who we have here? Hi, this is Jeff. How are you doing, Alan? Hey, Jeff. Okay, we have Jeff there, and I'm sure this is uh, Richard here, Delaware 302. Rich, is that you? Yeah, good evening. Good evening. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> All right, and let's just get everybody on here, because this is open forum. North Dakota, uh, let me pull them up here. Area code 701, North Dakota. Who we have here? Hi, it's Deb. Hey, Deb. <laughs> okay. All right. So all of us are on here. So uh, uh, let's see. Jeff, you were up here first. Let's just get rolling. Everybody just feel free to jump in. It's open forum at any time. But, Jeff, what do you got? I was going to mention uh, about the parking situation. Okay. I might have typed up the post about uh, us contacting you, but I'm going to let Debbie explain what uh, she uh, heard when she had the direct conversation with the uh, police. I'm going to let her uh say your piece on that and everything. And I've got a couple of other things I want to bring up tonight, too, that are kind of on different topics. But I'll let her go first. Okay. Deb, go ahead. Um, it's just that I think that it was um, in the city's mind from my conversation with the police chief, they weren't targeting the trucks that were bringing in goods or shipping goods out. They wanted the local residents who were truck drivers not to find you know, to find a legal, secure place to park their rig. They didn't think it was the city's responsibility to provide parking for them, which I'm in agreement with. I'm sorry. I mean, where I live, you know, you got to pay to park. When I go on vacation with Jeff, I don't leave my truck at a truck stop taking up a slot. I find a place to park it. 
to pay to park or else at a friend's place where it can be legally and safely parked. Well, where were um, they parking? Walmart and stuff like that? They were parking in um, Walmart and in strip malls. The biggest problem was the strip malls. You also need to look at the time frame of when this ordinance was enacted. It was enacted in February. Minnesota got dumped on with a lot of snow this year, especially around the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And if you have these rigs parked in these strip malls, blocking the areas, how are they supposed to do snow removal? See, and the trucks weren't just there overnight. They were there for days. There was one truck that was actually left there for two weeks while a guy went on vacation. This is where the problem came in. Yes, we do have a truck, short, a truck parking shortage out here. Nobody's disagreeing with that. But I think that when we start looking at cities and demanding that, hey, if we bring goods into your town, you need to provide us with a place to park, um, I'm kind of beginning to wonder about that. I do think that we need safe places to park, but, again, whose responsibility is it to provide us with that? Well, if it's okay with the strip mall or okay with Walmart, does the, does the ordinance still supersede that, Richard? Oh, the ordinance, I mean, the ordinance supersedes everything. They can, the police have the power to make the decision whether they want to crack down on it or they don't want to crack down on it. They want to issue so a even, warning. Even on a private property? Yeah, well, the thing about it is any property that's within the city that pays taxes is covered by their um, um, ordinance. Okay. So so basically what the city is doing is they're passing the ordinance, and if the property or the, or the management company puts up a sign that says no parking, then um, the police are given permission by that realtor to real estate uh, or management person to come on their property and issue citations. Oh, yeah, I understand that. It's just a... Uh... I mean, but even if the well, yeah, I mean, even if the Walmart manager says, "Yeah, you know, you can park there. We don't mind." Well, that's fine. Except if you've got a guy running around, you know, that's uh, you know Barney Fife that wants to write a bunch of tickets and generate revenue for the city, um, you know, it'll it'll turn around and and find that, uh, you know, this guy can go out and write these citations and then you're going to have to go to a magistrate or, in fact, I don't even think you can fight an ordinance. I think once you're issued a ticket from an ordinance, it's not like a moving violation. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, you're violating and there's, it's like running a really stoplight, you know, you get a ticket and that's it. You fight, you know, you could, there's nowhere to fight it. The problem also with the ordinance is that it tickets the property owners for allowing the trucks to park there. Yeah, well, you know, I, I tell you what, I have to be honest with you, everybody. I, I'm a, I'm a see-the-glass-half-full type of person, okay? And obviously this town, which is symbolic of so many other towns in the in the country, have no idea about the truck parking shortage, hours of service, you know, all all that. They're clueless. So I look at this like, yeah, it, you know, everybody got angry. Everybody has opinions about it. But the bottom line is it has drawn attention to um, hours of service, the shortage, a lot of things, which, you know, we've been trying to bring awareness for so long, all of us. So... I think 
Now, um, if you want to get into it, Rich, about the hours of service, you're going to explain to them when is that all all this going on? Kind of tell everybody uh, what's well, going to happen in Coon Rapids. The yeah, the enforcement for the new hours of service goes into effect July 1st. The the, the regulation is already in place. Um, it's there. It's going to happen. You're going to have the 34-hour restart with the two periods of 1 to 5. have to take a 30-minute break every eight hours uh, or less. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to happen. And unless some miracle comes up in some appeals court that that, that makes the FMCSA revisit it, which I don't see happening in the next, you know, 13 days. I'm sorry, I just I don't think it's going to happen. But what's going to happen, and, and, you know, the point made that you have people that live in the city of Coon Rapids that have just basically apparently taken it upon themselves to use whatever real estate that's available to park their rakes for whatever period of time, and it's, you know, created a, a situation with the, with the townsfolk, and it's, you know, they react. It's kind of like everybody who reacted badly. They reacted to the trucks being sitting around. Um, you know, then you had the, this person here that took it upon themselves as like an individual township, um, which, by the way, talking to Jason, you know, Coon Rapids isn't a little village of 600 people like where I live. Apparently, it's a fairly large bedroom community. So, um, you know, you've got that constant battle between truckers and people that think that these people are, um, you know, eyesores, and to them they may feel that way. And then you have the people that are trying to make a living that don't have anywhere to park their truck, but instead of properly going through the procedures of getting permission, are just, you know, as far as the townspeople are concerned, are abandoning their equipment. And I don't think the consideration, would, like, you know, what was said, is taking into fact people that are coming into their town. Um, you know, there's an ammunition place there. Um, there's an Anheuser-Busch distribution center. I mean, there's several businesses and industry in the area, and from what I understand from Jason, that um, uh, they, you know, there there is industry in the area, but it's more of a, um, you know, like a home place. And I, I just, you know, the thing about it is, I think what happened is when the person wrote the note, put it on the truck, drivers, you know, were offended. Drivers reacted to it. Um, and, you know, instead of, you know, just taking the time to get the information, to contact the proper authorities, you know, maybe explain to them, say, listen, you know, your ordinance is written up for eight hours, and that could make a driver illegal or could break his 10-hour consecutive off-duty. Um, you know, that's against the regulations. Um, you know, and talk to them in a civil manner, and they probably would look at it and revisit, you know, the, the ordinance and maybe change it. But, you know, getting into pissing contests on... Uh, well, what uh, happened was, in my opinion, it was, you know, when somebody says something to annoy one person, what do they do? They come back. And they're going to say, oh, yeah, well, guess what? You know, you called me an eyesore. I'm not going to come to your town anymore. It, I really believe it was that word that really got everybody going. 
knee-jerk reaction amongst the trucking community, and uh, people should have uh, thought more rationally before they just uh, reacted the way they did. And uh, I feel bad for the uh, feel bad that a lot of drivers reacted the way they did, but unfortunately, on that Facebook page for Good Rapids, uh, the response was gave the truck industry kind of a black eye. Well, I mean, and, and, and in fairness, I mean, they they do allow eight hours at least. I mean, but Dev had a good point. I mean, if, if they're going there and parking for two or three days, um, you know, I mean, I mean that that's a good point. I can understand that. Yeah, actually, oh, they told me struck in a uh, residential area anyway. Uh, so whenever I used to take my truck home, I would uh, park, either pay to park it at a uh, RV and truck storage facility down the road from my house, or I would uh, take the chance and park, park it at a truck stop. But now it's actually cheaper for me to uh, leave it at their terminal in Dallas where they can do their work on it while I'm off and drive back home to San Antonio in my personal vehicle but there is still times when I will go through San Antonio with my truck and uh, over, uh, park there overnight. So I go to the source facility, leave the truck there, just pay a nightly rate, and then I go home and spend time with my family before I take off the next morning or uh, on uh, the next day that I'm going to be actually out there running again. I will not uh, just park at a shopping center. Because if you think about it this way from a, a business owner's perspective, we may actually have a business in a strip mall, if, that, if a truck is parked on his property, it's blocking potential customers from seeing his uh, sign in his facility. Think about it. Well, yeah, but I mean, they they park at these WalMarts down here where I'm at. I mean, it, it looks like a truck. It looks like a, a a truck stop. There's so many of them, and uh, nobody nobody yeah. apparently it's okay with Walmart. So I mean, it's just uh, you know who who whoever wants to complain, I guess. Well, it depends on which Walmart you go to. There's a lot of Walmarts that have uh, banned truck parking, uh, especially the one in Sullivan, Missouri, a lot that you used to park at. It exits you only six on 44. We can't park a truck in there anymore because too many drivers trash the property and left uh, bottles of urine on the parking lot. But uh, now go ahead, Debbie, whatever you want to say here. Um, that was one thing that I found really interesting now that you brought it up, Alan, is that the police chief, when I was talking with him, he asked me point blank, do truck drivers think Walmart is a truck stop? I mean, is that the... Yeah, a, a that, lot of them do, it that, seems. Yeah, is is that the... the um, is that how we are portraying ourselves to the general public, that we think Walmart is a truck stop? I don't think it's the I mean, us in any way. I mean, if it's okay, if it's okay with Walmart, what's the problem? Well, see, I don't think it's a problem unless you're leaving your truck there for like a week. You oh know? Well, yeah, yeah, you I know, can understand I mean, that. I, I myself, if I need to stop at a Walmart, first of all, I always try to be bobtailing. Try very hard not to go with the trailer, and second of all. I call and I speak to the store manager who is on duty at that time, and I ask him point blank, is it okay if I park out here, come inside, do my shopping, and leave? I'm only going to be here for less than an hour. And nine times out of the second, okay. Um, only one time was I given a no, and I think that was in Virginia somewhere. Well, I know where we live. Um, I think the nearest truck stop, because we're in the middle of nowhere, and is 45 minutes, and I guess that one would be Wildwood. And then we've got the one, the pilot, up on 484. Yeah, well, pilot, pilot's only about... Uh, it's about 45 minutes. Well, no, not at 484. 
You don't think? What, 40? Uh, let's so, see. It'd take about 15. Well, it'd take about 30 minutes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so <clears throat> I can see, you know, if the people around here. But on the other hand, there are places you can pay to park your truck, which but which brings you into a whole other area of, you know, the wages for drivers. You know, if they're probably trying to save that whatever, $50 or $100 a month or whatever it is, and, and, and park. So, like I said, this whole thing, it goes in a circle, you know, okay, well, they shouldn't do this, and the truckers shouldn't have said that, and the and the, and the the council should realize that, you know, that they if they're out of hours, they can't move, but it all falls back on that there is um, a need for more truck parking, and, and that's what I'm saying, you know, there's a lot of different facets to this conversation, but I can't help but keep going back to that. Now, I did want to get into uh, what is going to be presented to the council. Um, when is that going to be taken care of to explain to them? Because if I think a lot of cities are uh, blind and it should be enlightened to uh, truck drivers and their and their mandates and what's going on. So um, whoever wants to answer that, uh, when is that going to be taken care of and what's going to be addressed? Well, as far as I know, Jason is uh, supposed to have a meeting, um, has a scheduled meeting coming up with him, and I'm helping him get it. And one of the things that uh, Jason brought up earlier um, and we were discussing was the fact that um, there is a 49 CFR Federal Code of Regulation, <clears throat> excuse me, 355.25, which prohibits any state or city ordinance which directly conflicts with the Federal Motor Carrier Regulation. So by saying that, they may be able to not only present the hours of service to them, but also present uh, 355.25, which will state that they cannot pass an ordinance that uh, directly conflicts with the federal motor carrier regulations of 10 consecutive hours. So it may not, they may not even have uh, be able to, or if the city ordinance directly conflicts with that, then they could uh, cause the state of Minnesota to lose our highway funding. Well, uh, you know, and that's a good point you brought up. Alan, do you remember way back uh, 2009, uh, the, the Virginia uh, DOT with that two-hour parking. I know everybody remembers uh, that was like a huge deal. And that was they, the rest, rest areas, right? Uh, that was the rest areas, right. And okay. uh, that that was changed. I mean, enough drivers. I, I mean, Fred Schaffner, uh, who's no longer with us, and, you know, he was a driving force in all that. Um, you know, really got that ball rolling. We actually had uh, Jeff <laughs> Jeffrey Caldwell, who was, uh, I forgot what his title was within the Virginia DOT, but he came on the show to actually address uh, this problem. And uh, it, it wasn't long after that that, that it was changed. So um, if, if they're going to make um, an ordinance like that and it's going to, you know, they can't if it's against the law because of federal regulations, well, I'd like to know how many other ordinances are there in the country like that. I mean, I'd be interested in knowing if there if there's other cities that need, this needs to be addressed to, and this could actually make a um, a precedence among 
a lot of areas of the country. <laughs> There's probably an ordinance like that or similar in every city in America. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, was, I was getting ready to say, you know, this is the only reason this has even come to light is because of the social media, you know, um, uh, outcry that came on, you know, because of this, the, the person in town that wrote the, the sign. So, you know, yeah, it, it, it was a bad thing. It, you know, it could be turn out to be a good thing. It could actually make the people uh, or the, the council or whatever uh, realize that they, they are in violation of the federal regulation. But saying that, you know, it's still, you have to still go to the people with a cake, and, you know, it's like, and say, listen, you know, here's, Here's what the rules are. These are the reasons why some people have to park here. They can't move their truck. They'd be in violation. They would be breaking regulations if they conform to your ordinance. And by the way, you know your ordinance is in direct violation. And, you know, that can be sent to the administrator at the Federal Motor Carrier, who at which point they would send a letter of correction to the community the letter would have to be responded to with an actions taken, and if those actions were taken, it would be turned over to a federal judge who would make a ruling that that they did not make a corrective action, at which point could deny the state of Minnesota uh, highway funding, which at that point would put the state government of Minnesota on the backs of Coon Rapids. So, there's a lot of things that can go on here if, if everybody gets their head on right and approaches this in a professional and a legal manner. And I was talking to, to some attorneys today uh, about this and about the regulation versus city ordinance, and the regulation does supersede it. Since the states have unilaterally adopted 49 CFR, across the board that they have to abide by that and if that's the case then this could be a a good talking point to present to the community to say hey this violation or this ordinance is in direct violation with uh, uh CFR so you know you know you got those things going on for it but like Alan said you know I guarantee you I can go just about any town anywhere, and there's some type of city ordinance about trucks. Now, hey, or some, or some of them, yeah. Right, Debbie wants to say Rich, something. Go ahead, Rich. Okay. Rich, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I just found something really interesting um, online. We were talking about city ordinances, so I pulled up the one for where I live, Lake Wales, Florida. And you're going to, you're gonna. this is the ordinance that they have about truck parking for commercial vehicles. It says, it shall be unlawful to park overnight or leave unattended during the day any commercial vehicle in a residential district of the city. And then it talks about it's not including those collecting or delivering persons, which would be a bus or something. But anyhow, it says designated parking area. The city commission may designate a city parking lot that can be used for overnight parking and weekend parking of commercial vehicles. The use of the designated parking lot for this purpose is confined to the following hours. And so what they did is they, they have a lot here that you can park in. If you need to take your break, they have a lot here you can park in. Well, they're okay. smart, I guess. Well, what, what kind of lot is that? Where is it? This is in Lake Wales, Florida. Yeah, what kind of lot? Um, 
it doesn't really say. All I know, it just says that they, they've designated a lot. Does it say in there who to call? Does it say in there to, who to call or where to call to uh, get that information on where that lot just, is? Actually, I'm just reading off what no, the ordinance I'm, says. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm, I'm a truck driver, and yeah. I'm running out of hour, and I'm in Lake Wales, Florida, which I've hauled out of Lake Wales. But I know it's like I'm coming into town. It's It's... You know, 8.30 at night, and I'm sitting there simply going, you know, I can't park anywhere because there's an ordinance because everywhere I try to put my truck, there's a sign that says no truck parking. Am I going to know that? No. So what do I got to do? I got to get on the computer. I got to research and then find it, and then who am I going to call at that time at night that works for the city government that's going to give me, you know, give me the directions on how to get there? You know, I mean, well, I'm assuming free. I'm assuming that you would call the police, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to call them tomorrow to find out where this lot is and who to call. If it costs me a ticket, I don't assume anything. You do not assume when it's going to cost you money, you know. And unfortunately, that's one of those situations. I, I think it's great, but the majority of people coming into Lake Wales with a tractor trailer isn't going to know that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, you know. But, you know, the one thing about Coon Rapids, I mean, if my memory serves me right, there's a there's like a TA like 18, 19 miles away. It doesn't have a lot of like, parking. There's not a lot I of parking there at all. That TA is full of uh, uh, trucks that are uh, owned, by, owned or uh, driven by drivers that live in the area. So even during the daytime, you cannot get a place to park in there. You almost have to find somewhere else in the area to park or else go further away on I-94 going west in order to get anywhere to park. I mean, because, like I say, during the daytime, uh, the whole parking lot is full. Yeah, well, that's the problem with a lot of uh, a lot of truck stops, especially here in Florida. I mean, these these uh, pilots around here, the pilot, Donna, was talking about at 484. You know, you get in there too late, you're, you're going to be out on the street too. So, I mean, that's oh, just a common problem. The one in Haines problem. City is just bad. The one in Haines City is bad. It's bad. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, they're all over Florida. Well, you say, you, I gotta get, I gotta get a pile, one pile location to spread where it's due. Uh, I don't know which uh, exit it is, but it's on I seventy five not far where you guys are at. It's uh, the same exit as the Don Garth Museum of Drag Racing. That one has a signpost up on the door going in there out off the fuel line that says uh, the parking lot at this location is uh, for open road drivers who need a place to sleep. Uh, local. Local drivers that uh, take time off home cannot leave their equipment here, or will be towed. And that right oh, there, I respect. Really yes, I'm going to yeah, a lot of a, a, a lot of them here has that. I mean, they want it for the drivers who are, you know, who are sleeping and going on duty, and they don't want them parking there and leaving it for, for three or four days going home. And, and, you know, I could understand that, and drivers should understand that. I mean, they already know that there's a lack of truck parking, and why would they take a spot away from someone who's um, actively over the road and needs their rest? So, you know, that's another – there's a – like I said, there's so many facets to this, but the, the, if we could just kind of bring it all back down to the fact that you know, the laws do need to be changed, that there does need to be more parking, and I think this could be made a very positive thing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I mean, does everybody agree with that? I mean, I'm reading something over here. It says, but they don't have that in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. Um, I guess they're talking about 
places where you can park your truck. It, it's it's. Yeah, I tell you, we got a boy, old Haggard. He's just he's just going crazy in this chat room, man. He's just doing his thing. Uh, he just wants to make sure everybody knows that there's no facilities in Coon Rapids or nearby. And uh, how many hundreds of times he's got to tell us, we get it, Jason. There's no facilities in there. That's why I brought up the TA in Rogers, Minnesota, about 18, 19 miles away. Okay, go ahead, Donna. Oh, so I guess the whole awareness issue is what we need to address, and I think I think this is perfect. So I'd be very interested in knowing how that turns out next week, and if you know if if they do change it, I think we really do need to um, make a big deal about it on social media so that perhaps other people. Other towns, you know, get the hint. Oh well, these people really are having a problem. I never knew that, and and all like that. So, um, well, it's going to be a tough job changing every ordinance in America. Well, yeah. it's going to. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> well, but I you know what? what if anybody's delivering in Coon Rapids, what they need to do is uh, call that receiver where they're delivering to and ask them if they have room to park overnight as part of yep. the trip plan to make sure they know exactly uh, where they're going to be able to spend the night at. They can't spend the night at Shooter Rapids. They have to park in uh, South St. Paul at the stoppage, which but you better get there early if you expect to get the spot. There's no hardly any parking there either. Well, it's all about it's all about planning your trip. I mean, I did that 10,000 million times. I mean, you know, if I was going to a place <laughs> that didn't have anywhere to park or, or a truck stop nearby, I mean, I would contact the shipper or receiver, you know, and 99 out of 100 times they'd say, yeah, you can park here. Exactly. You know, that's, I've had that exact experience. Do what? I've had the same experience. So. What? Oh, you mean not having a check-in with a shipper and receiver? Yeah. You know, to me, you know, from what I've talked to from a couple drivers that actually live there, and then I've talked to a couple drivers that live near there, and I do have some people that have actually delivered there, which Jeff is one of them, They've all told me that there that some most of the shippers and receivers in that area do have ample parking. Now I could be wrong because I have not taken the time to call everybody out there, but you know it might be worth our while to have somebody try to figure out exactly how many businesses receive stuff by trucks and then find out if they have truck parking. Well, that sounds like a good job for you, Deb. Well, yeah, okay. uh, my employer, my employer in, uh, in cooperation <laughs> with the drivers, is uh, actually uh, going through all the directions on the Qualcomm's. Uh, you know, the Qualcomm's system we have, we have directions for all our customers in our database. And uh, whenever uh, they uh, put the directions to that customer, they're going to specify whether or not there's overnight parking there. Now, they're doing that uh, increasingly. Like, if we see if there's overnight parking nearby or on premise, we uh, report it on the, the company so they can put it on the walk on that way drivers can better manage their time out here. Well, you know, the parking's going to, it's just a big, big problem, Donna. And, I, you know, but, you know, getting back to the basics of all this, what really got it all rolled up was that little weasel little letter that was left on the truck. Yeah, and, and, and but you know what? That's ignorance. That's yes. thinking. Uh, not you know not having any clue of what regulations are. I mean, as as annoying as it was, 
and the general public doesn't have to doesn't have to have a clue. Well, no, they yeah, they don't, but they they should, and uh, it, it, that's our our whole idea is to create this awareness, um, to create more of a an understanding for drivers. Because listen, right now the image of drivers is so bad, and I admit some of them bring it on themselves. However, um, a lot of uh, biased untruths um, are mixed into that pot. And, you know, you you need to create some kind of uh, positive awareness of the the trials and the challenges that they really do face. So, and and I think if you can just open a few eyes to this, you know, they'd kind of like, you know, not be so angry because really the things you read about drivers, it's really, you know, it, it, it's really sad. Um, and like I said, yeah, I know a lot of them bring it on themselves, you know, with the way they handle themselves uh, unprofessionally. But, you know, that that's like that in every, in every industry. Uh, you know, you're going to find people that professional and then you're going to find people that aren't professional oh, the so, trucking books, they say it there's uh you have a higher percentage of drivers debbie and i and everybody else has been driving for a while know this there's a higher percentage of people in this industry that basically look like they're uh a step above a homeless person because any other industry where you have to go to work every day either they're wearing uniforms or they have a dress code they enforce think about it well I, I I don't know. I'm I, well. I'm not good at multitasking. I'm trying to do this. Um. <laughs> I have a question to ask, um, Don. I have a question to ask. You know, if whatever happens in Coon Rapids, I do think that all this was, in some respects, a good thing. Um, yes. But I do have one question, and it's just been bugging me since we started this discussion. Are we not we, because is the trucking industry expecting towns to provide us with a place to park because we deliver goods there? Is that what I'm understanding? I don't think I don't I don't think so. I think drivers individually are expecting the towns to provide them parking. Anybody? <laughs> Anybody yeah, there? Hello. Well, there's a lot of drivers that do uh, have the talent and mentality, unfortunately. They think that uh, just because they're hauling uh, freight that they're owed something. And uh, it's like, come on now. Well, I want to play the role of being conservative, yada, yada, yada. But uh, they still think with an anti state of mind all the time. It's very unfortunate. A lot of the majority of them do. They expect, uh, I mean, a lot of you say, oh, you got a truck barn, so I'm entitled to parking wherever I want. You know, a lot of you have that attitude, unfortunately. But don't they deserve to have a safe place to park? Yeah, but whose responsibility is it to provide that, Richard? That's what I'm wondering. I'm not saying that any have... of this is wrong. I'm just asking well, but... whose responsibility is it to provide that parking? Well, I think I think if there's regulation set, okay, for for trucks to have mandated rest, then perhaps that city needs a rest area. And that very well could be the case. And I remember when Congressman Tonko was on this show. This is one of the things. Richard, were you on that call when when he? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay. When he said that drivers need to 
create some or at the time he gave an email okay and since then it's it's been changed so you I can't even put that email out yet but this would be a prime example of saying this is a situation going in you send it to uh, a segment of the DOT this town needs um a, a rest area and then you know they need to investigate it this is supposed to be part of the DOT survey so i think i think what we're missing here is no it's probably not the town's responsibility however if if the federal government is mandating then they need to make sure that there's something available nearby. Actually, what they and need to do is make uh, – my suggestion is that they make sure that the shippers and receivers of the area have available overnight parking because they're the ones that need the truck service. Think about it. Okay, can I can – I, can I Yeah, I'm waiting for you. I'm, I'm queuing you in here. <laughs> um, the, the thing about it is it, it – it, you know, I understand the point it's not the responsibility, but maybe it is a responsibility because under what I and I posted it in the room so everybody could read it, what three you know, three fifty five two five is. And it says public interest in the con- is and is consist with the safe operation of commercial motor vehicles. Any property owner uh, I mean, you know, so when you have a regulation that says that the public cannot or the ordinance cannot supersede the federal motor carrier regulations because highway funds are distributed and part of the highway funding that is distributed to the states and the towns is persistent and consistent with if they have to supply an area because they can't pass an ordinance that's going to directly go against the regulation, and that regulation is stating you cannot move that truck after eight hours. So to answer your question... You you hit the key right there. So to answer Deb's question, Alan, yes, they do have a responsibility to provide parking if they want to get federal money. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you bringing up the federal regulation basically superseding anything else, I mean, that's the key right there, so... Somebody somewhere in every town and city in America pretty much does have to provide some. I mean, just like Deb said about Lake Wells, you know, they've done it and everything. But, I mean, it's it's, it's not Walmart to do it, it but it's, uh, it's the, uh, you know, local law enforcement there that has to make sure that they're abiding by the federal regulations. So um, you hit the key right – you hit the nail right on the head, Richard. There we or do go. you agree, That's Deb? I like is that it's – Yes, that's what I was looking for. Is that is is not the community, the businesses, you know, where yes, we have to let you park here in my strip mall or in my Walmart or in my mall. But yes, the community should have a designated parking area. You know, and and, and I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have people wondering who's going to pay for this, who's going to pay for the upkeep. What do we do if trucks trash it? You know, do we close well, it down and say no more? Okay, what happens, yeah. what, happens, what happens in a case where they violate the federal law and then they get their highway funding uh, revoked? Then they're not going to have any money for their infrastructure for, the, you know, the state. Do you think the state's going to let that happen? Then maybe the state ought to take some of the funds 
that they're using to put flowers in, in different things and, you know, maybe go out and look at purchasing some abandoned property or, you know, uh, working with a local real estate uh, uh, investor or something that has an abandoned plant, you know, that, that maybe has a fence around it. And, and I, I mean, there's so many things you can discuss here, but the bottom line we have regulations we have to go by as drivers and as companies, then maybe, you know, and if FMCSA through CSA and everything else forces us to, to and enforces us to follow those regulations, when here is a regulation that says a city or a town cannot pass an ordinance that violates federal regulations or they're going to get their money taken away. Let, from. let, me, let me ask a question here. Okay, uh, Jason's law. The intention was that uh, in the Jason's law is that the shippers and receivers were supposed to provide us overnight parking, correct? I, I'm not aware of that. Oh, no. no, it said no. It said no. Is that what it says? That's my question. Is that is that typical? What Jason's law actually says that shippers and receivers are required to provide us with overnight parking. Or what, is, or no. what is the real definition of it? No, 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 no. Jason's law, which was passed and put into the MAP-21 in its own category was to have federal funding to purchase and to uh, provide parking, safe parking for truckers. It did not say that, that they were going to go in and force Walmart or, or anything or that they were going to force people. There was funding out there, one for studies, which we're in the process of doing right now and doing very hard and diligently, and by the way, I reviewed that this afternoon, and sometime during the show, if we could, I'd like to do a quick uh, overview yeah, of some of the numbers. Yes, um, I, I would. I all, yeah, I got that ready to go, Donna. And but the main thing about it is, it was put within it was put within the federal Map 21 highway infrastructure that it would be taken into consideration. That this that through the federal funding, whether there's money there or not, I, you know, I don't know. I hear there is. I hear there isn't. You know, I don't know. I just yeah, don't there know. is money in there. There, there but definitely is. Right. Okay. So there's so, you know, but I'm going to pay devil's advocate here. But the thing about it is, everything the government does is done very slowly, methodically, and they probably will waste as much money through getting all this information gathered, together, presented, fought over, taken through court of appeals, where what's going to happen is the money's going to get spent before the first piece of blacktop's ever laid or the first piece of ground's ever bought. So that's just bureaucracy. That's how it works in Washington, unfortunately. But, yes, it was put aside as a provision that because the federal regulations required mandatory regulations on hours of service, off duty, that drivers were required should be given to a safe place to park. And and, uh, that, and, and the, each state has to apply for that. And that's why, you know, we have suggested to uh, to drivers they need to keep on their state and to keep make sure that that funding that's in there isn't used for ridiculous things. Let me let me give you a perfect example, Donna. And and this is a, and, and and I'm not tooting my horn. It's just it was something that I was involved with, 
with the state of Delaware. State of Delaware passed some pretty stringent idling laws, okay? Due to the fact that they uh, passed those laws, we used 355-21 or 25 to tell the state, wait a minute, you know, these drivers have to have time off, and in the winter when it's cold or the summer when it's hot, they need to be provided safe facilities and, and comfortable facilities to rest. And because the Department of Natural Resources, which is the state level of the EPA, we had smart enough people in Dover that went to the EPA and they say, do you have any money in the EPA to provide us grants to electrify our rest areas? And the rest areas there in Delaware are all electrified. Oh, I like so that. we went to a another government agency and found funding not directly related to the Department of Transportation but through the EPA because of truck idling regulations that were put in by the state that made it against the regulations or made it almost theoretically impossible for the regulations. So the state agreed we need to be a partner with the trucking industry and provide them with a comfortable, safe place to park at a reasonable price. So, you know, when the state electrifies their rest areas, I mean, Delaware is not that big, I know. But the thing, it is an example of how there is money out there, even yes. if it's not with the Department of Transportation, that you can, if you get enough smart people looking in the right direction, they can find this stuff and maybe find a clause in another law they can get what they need. I mean, there's abandoned properties all over this country in every town, every city, every state. And my big thing has been over the years is why does it, you know, why, you know, not myself, unfortunately, I'm just one person, it's a big country, but if they could get together and maybe give, say a guy's got an abandoned 30-acre parking lot, okay, He's paying taxes on that piece of ground. Now, why don't they go off and offer this guy, say, listen, we need as a town to provide a place for these people to park so they can be within the federal regulations. Hey, we'll give you a tax break if you let us use your piece of ground. And if the guy sells the property or he gets a, a tenant in there, then he's not obligated at that point. But there is viable, smart um, solutions to these problems. We just need to quit screaming and hollering at everybody and, and, and put our minds together and go about this in a smart, educated, and, and formal manner and talk to people and open dialogues, not shut doors. And, and that was what Congressman Uncle was saying on that show. And and I think he realized, he said, drivers, we need your help. You are the eyes and ears. If you see a place, let us know. And if you see a, um, a, a city that needs something like this, or if you see an area that looks like in that city that could be made into a rest area, we need to know all this. 
And and he was exactly right. And unfortunately, that email was either discontinued because people started to write in about different places. Maybe DOT couldn't handle all the um, emails. I don't know what happened. But yeah, more than likely. But uh, Deb, I heard you. <laughs> did you have something to say? I heard you trying to jump in there. No, did I Deb? just I was agreeing. I really think what Rich did was great. I wish that we could do that all over the country. I think it is something that is necessary, and then it maybe too, if we had a place to park, you know, in the different cities, you know, where where truck parking is is definitely at a premium, and if we did have a place to park where we could police it ourselves and make sure we kept it up, that would help to start change the trucking industry's image because we wouldn't be parking in shopping centers or in Walmart. You know, we would well, have. We a have- place to go to. Yeah, we have we we have the the money to do it. It's a matter of the states being uh going and and applying for that funding and la- under safety Lou, there was actually money left over. States didn't even apply for it. They didn't even know it was in there for this. So, I Absolutely. think this I I agree with you, Donna. I agree with yes. you there because if you make the states aware and, and the thing about it is, you know, the regulation that I put up is an exact example that in that if you went to the states and said, look, you know, this money is here to do this, and this and the regulation requires you to do it, or we're not going to give you any money. That's going to make some of these congressmen and senators in these states stand up and go, hmm, maybe we ought like to do that. something. Yeah. So th- this is, I mean, listen. We have fought way too long for Jason's Law and this funding, which, Richard, didn't everybody say this was never going to happen? Alan, remember? Yeah, yeah but, I mean, it still hasn't happened. Well, it, I mean, and as far as yeah, the funding, I, I mean, there, 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 there's not enough money in there to take care of the entire United States and, you know, and, and half a dozen million truckers. I mean, you know, to think about it, I mean, uh, how much money was it going to take to build a rest area? But 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 here's the other thing. But that's what they need. What, how you go about that is you you um, you target the the areas in the country that are really shortage and you know and go from there and and that's a plus and that will help. But. I don't know, Richard. When you read that, doesn't it look like there's almost unlimited funding? I don't see a cap on it. There was a cap on the original Jason's Law. It was like six million dollars, six billion. I can't remember six million for four years or something like that. But I have to honestly say, Donna, right now to answer that question, that with the sequester, all bets are off. Because really? it, I mean, everybody's everybody's taking a hit right now. So whatever was ava- available 30 months ago, when all this probably got started, uh, has probably been you know redistributed to other agencies. Blah blah blah. You know, and that's and well, that's, see, that's the that's negative. The- yeah, I'm sorry, Richard, but that that's the thing you brought that up earlier too. And see, that's the thing that I worry about because bureaucracy, bureaucracy, you know that word, that term. <laughs> I think a lot of uh, I can see a, I I can see a lot of that money being sent to uh, somewhere in California to save uh, the humpback frog or something. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I, yeah, can or, I bring up another uh, another topic about parking, if I could, please? Whenever we get yeah. down to commercial, whatever. Yeah, go ahead. 
Okay. One thing about uh, the parking we need to do uh, is this is to uh, try to push, push forward Jason's law is we also need to uh, realize the need to uh, take note of the independent truck stops that are out here and do what we can to help them stay in business. That way we will have that parking available for uh, for us for years to come. That's why Debbie and I, a little over a year ago, we created a Facebook page called Support Better Independent Truck Stops, and we even uh, go so far as to give the independent truck stops the uh, freedom to go in there and advertise if they want to, as long as they ask us for our permission, they can do that. But also, the thing about it is, the independent truck stops do have generally a lot of facilities, better food, and the parking lots are usually safer because they're out away from major cities where crime is less of an issue. So in addition to trying to get more parking, we also need to grab to emphasize, uh, okay, uh, maintain the emphasis on uh, preserving the parking we've already got. You know, if you're going to park in an independent truck stop, go spend money in there. That way they can at least uh, be around. If you go in there and preload, uh, that's going to actually uh, create problems, you know, because they're, you know, they're going to be taking up a spot that somebody who might be wanting to spend money in there would actually not be able to take an order to park. So we need to do it again to get those places to business. And I encourage everybody, if you haven't joined the Sport Vendor Independent Truck Stop on Facebook yet, Please do it. That way we can all spread the word about these places that deserve our business. Well, I'll tell you what, if um, if if you, if there isn't money in there now because of the sequester, and it, that's what you're saying, right, right Richard? I'm, I'm just saying sequester, I mean, sequester's cutting everything. They're furloughing government employees for, like, on Fridays. I mean, you know, is a sequester real? I'm not going to get into the political debate on that. That's a whole other show. But the, thing about it is, but the thing about it is we're hearing it every day, okay? So so it's part of the language of, of the current administration. So what I'm saying is is don't be surprised that if you, you run into a loggerhead battle because they're saying, oh, the funding isn't there, the funding isn't there, the funding isn't there, you know, the funding may be there, but somebody else may have their eyes on it, you know, moving it like, like Alan and brought up the humpback frog in California. Uh, or, you know, <laughs> let's do a sexual study of the TT fly. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's, let's, let's buy, you know, $100,000 toilet seats for a military contract. I mean, there's so much wasteful spending right now that, that they need to take care of the basic infrastructure of this country. And the infrastructure of this country is going to be the transportation movement of freight because right. everything, like I said, is based on JIT, just-in-time delivery. And the people that have saved millions and billions in JIT because of the efficiency of movement of freight needs to be, if so, be taxed accordingly so that they understand that their money that they're saving because of just-in-time delivery, they have a responsibility, and part of that responsibility is offer safe and convenient parking. So, you know, I mean, there's so many avenues you can go down. And, I, and Jeff, you're right. You know, support the, the independent truck stops. You know, go in and give them your support. Everything we do as drivers on the road, to, to to expand 
you know, our availability of parking is, is, you know, it's our responsibility. But it's also the government's responsibility by law to provide us with safe parking because the regulations require us to do things that if you, I mean, if I make a law that says that you can only run 35 miles an hour, but I build you a car that starts at 40, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you've got a law that says you've got to take a 10-hour and there's nowhere to take it, then who's making you the criminal? The very regulation is making you a criminal because you cannot find, and, if, and when you see the survey and you see the information on the one, the one section alone on just how long it takes to find a parking lot, you know, a parking space, is like, you know, wow. I mean, that in itself is is just amazing numbers. I'm looking well, at right I would now. think I would think okay, that. Donna, Donna, right here. From the time you decide or are mandated to take a break, how long on average does it take to find parking? 2,336 people answered that question, and 42.8 people said less than an hour, but 40.6 said more than an hour. Anything over 15 minutes is a violation. Right, right. And and see, this is what bothers me, that laws are passed, mandates are made without thinking ahead about about without troubleshooting what okay well what happens if they go over and they can't find parking this should have been thought of listen i watched a tape and richard i don't know if anybody else watched it that fred schaffner made and it was in jessup maryland did you watch that today it was the problem how many years ago this studies from fmcsa have been going on for over 20 years and finally saying there's a severe parking shortage and and they continue to increase um, mandates, make laws and new regulations without addressing this first. I would think before you make a law, you have to uh, understand and create some kind of something to so that the people who you're giving the law to aren't forced to break it. I mean, to well, me, wait, that's wait, common wait, sense. Wait. I don't know anything yeah. about right? Donna? Donna? Yes. That's, that is a great theory, and in theory, yeah. that should be practical, but unfortunately, in the real world, it's not. And, uh, I mean, you know, and everybody says, well, the you know, the argument is the driver has a responsibility to know where his point of, a point of you know, uh, submission is. Okay, that's fine. You know, what do you have to do? So instead of driving 11 hours or working 14 hours, you have to start cutting your day at 7 and 8 because you've got to spend the next hour or so trying to find a place to park. And what happens if you, you're in an area that there isn't a place to park? I mean, the next thing you know, then you have a choice. What do you do? Do you park illegally and get a ticket that, that your company's probably not going to pay a parking ticket? And if it's a mix-app officer and he writes you up on, you know, with a roadside inspection for violating 3922, all local laws, now it's going to go on your CSA report. But that's what I'm saying. You know, unfortunately, the safety advocates have pushed and pushed so much in Washington to make these laws rigid to suit them that it doesn't give any leeway. 
And I, I just had a big discussion just this past week on a job that I'm currently doing with a customer on the on what the meaning of the purveyance of convenience is. Purveyance of convenience is a regulation that states that you can use, if given permission by the carrier, you can use the vehicle for the purpose of shelter or to eat as long as you're not moving freight in interstate commerce. And does that come into effect once you go off the clock? Are you exempt to the hour under the hours of service under the purveyance of convenience to find a parking spot? I was told by Bill Quaid in Washington that if it's a federal motor carrier, that no, it did not. You are in violation. Well, that's a direct contrary to the regulation. Well, th- th- this is this is the problem. I mean, you know, we're we're fighting so many uphill battles with this, and you know, <clears throat> it, it's so frustrating. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it is for everybody who's on the program tonight, because there are so many facets, and you're constantly fighting. You're always fighting something, and there's always a obstacle or a challenge, and and it, it's really going to take a, a huge part of the trucking community. Uh, to come together on this and and make some noise because hey, I mean, Rich, you you can make a lot of noise, but boy, you're going to have to do 24 seven to get this big animal taken care of. I would like to I would like to request everybody that's listening to this show or listens to the rebroadcast of this show. I am going to Washington next week. There is a Mixac subcommittee meeting, and they were given time to speak. I would request that if anybody out there would like something said to the MIXAC committee of the Federal Motor Carrier to email me a written statement, keep it brief, keep it to the point, give me actual uh, situations that you were involved in, and give me your name, and I will take the time to read that verbatim is written by you to the committee in the time allotted, and I can go under your name, and that way that will give me more time. But I know a lot of guys and gals can't get to Washington. I'm offering that service to the drivers. Send me an email. I will post my email on the web or on the uh, chat room, and you can email me at regguy, R-E-G-G-U-Y, at Comcast.net, regguy at Comcast.net. We need to present in front of these committees statements from drivers, not from industry experts. They already know what they're going to say. They're already whining and dining, these people in Washington. We need to have the Debs, the Jeffs, the Bills, the Jasons, the Johns, the Jacks, the Desirees, all of them. We need to have words from the drivers and be able to read what's really going on. And are they going to listen? Who knows? But one thing about it, we're going to put it in the record. And when the statistics of this survey comes out and it's presented, they're going to see real numbers from real people. And that's what we need to fight this onset is getting real information, not, you know, emails and, and or uh, uh, postings on websites, 
and blogs and all that, most people in Washington aren't reading that because they don't care about it. They need well, let me ask you, though. Okay, okay, and then we've got to start winding it down. The mix sack in well, we got to get into the truck parking survey and and um, yeah, well we got well, okay, we've got like uh, nine ten minutes. Why we only have an hour and a half? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's. Uh, but let's see what I mean, Jeff. If you uh, what you know, you can jump in here. Final comments. We got to kind of wind it down here, and then we'll let get on with Rich and kind of share some of that survey stuff. Yeah, we have to make uh, announcement. There's a big announcement yeah. tonight. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, there, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, actually, there, was, there was another topic I wanted to discuss on uh, this show, but I might have to save it for another show because I was unaware of the fact that we uh, only had an hour and a half. The Rich is sitting next to me. I might have to shove a muscle in his face so I can talk once in a while. <laughs> Sorry, Rich. <laughs> I had to say that. <laughs> Well, that's why I was jumping in and letting you uh, letting you have your final comments here, real quick. Okay, okay, great. How much time do I have, Alan? Well, we've got. I didn't know it was only an hour and a half show. Yeah, we're wasting time as we go along, so we've okay, got uh, about. Okay. How much time do I have right now? Tell me. Just a couple uh, minutes. Okay, uh, this is a little bit different topic, but okay, we know there are a lot of truck companies out there who are not exactly doing very good financially right now, and also a lot will be shut down for other situations such as. CSA or anything else that's going on. Uh, I got to uh, put it out there. I don't care if you're a company dropper or an owner operator or what. I can't stress how important it is that we are individually prepared financially to be able to get home at a moment's notice if something happens out here. You know, anybody remember the Aero Truck debacle that happened a few years ago? A lot of drivers got stranded without any money to get home or anything else or to get to their next job. We do not want to see a repeat of that happening again. So, therefore, that's why I encourage drivers to be prepared by saving up at least dollars to set a really accessible money market savings account they can access with their ATM card and also have a major credit card with a, a, a low or no balance that's still active that would enable you to rent a car somewhere to get home one way. Because most every car rental company out there requires a credit card for deposit. But, yeah, you can pay for the rent when you get home with your debit card or pay for it in cash and not have to worry about paying the interest charges. And, well, that sounds like know, that sounds like a show that we need to educate drivers on. I, I, You know, I don't know if they're going to do it. They kind of live from week to week. But that sounds like a, a really good show that we could have, um, you know, uh, later on down the road. Yeah, that's good advice. I mean, you think, uh, think they kind of know that anyway now. But, I mean, you know, these – I mean – most of the truckers live paycheck to paycheck. Most everybody does anyway. But no, it is good advice. But Deb, um, Deb, jump in there. Any final comments? No, I'm good. Just everybody be safe out there. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us and everything. We appreciate it. And uh, uh, I tell you, um, what do we got here? We just got several minutes. But Richard, you wanted to share some of the uh, what the stats on that? What's going on with this? Uh, Truck parking survey. And before before yeah. you do that, could you just could you just tell everybody, um, you know, it's pretty exciting news about the transportation uh, compliance resource group and what you have to offer for uh, companies and drivers out there. I know we don't have much time, but um, could right. you think you could? I'll, I'll, be, I'll be quick. Um, yeah, as everybody knows, I've opened up uh, my own business. Uh, it's uh, 
Transportation Compliance Resource Group, uh, better known as TCRG Consulting. Uh, basically, we're offering a uh, complete service for uh, all carriers and uh, owner operators. Uh, we can obtain DOT authority. Uh, we can get your DOT numbers. Uh, we can uh, do new entry carrier setup and training, um, driver qualification, drug and alcohol maintenance records. Uh, we can do CSA carrier reviews and counseling. We can file data queues. Uh, reasonable suspicion, pre-intervention audits and reports are available, uh, regulatory interpretations. I have a special that I'm running right now called an online special with drivers and owner-operators. <clears throat> For $99, it's a yearly consulting service, has online compliance chat, free telephone conversations for up to 15 minutes per call, unlimited. Data queues are filed and keep you up on the end, we'll contact you and notify you of any changing regulations. Uh, that way you get it from an expert, not the guy and the gal in the next truck. Um, basically, um, I've been very fortunate in the last three days. I picked up some really nice clients um, that have followed me over, uh, but uh, I'm available. Uh, you can email me at regguy at comcast.net. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, try to get back with you. But um, you know, for a hundred bucks a year, you're going to spend that on cigarettes or you know junk. Uh, that you get your own compliance guy that represents you, um, and I think you know it's a pretty reasonable, and it keeps the cost down for the smaller people and the owner operators as well. Um, Do you have a link up that on your website? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it's uh, www tcrgconsulting.com And which um, section it's under which section? Um, it's under if you go to my Facebook page Rich Wilson, go on TGR and there's a link uh, from uh, my Facebook page, TGR Consulting to the website uh, or like I said you can go on uh, to www.tcrgconsultingllc or uh, consulting.com, and, um, you know, uh, you can go to my webpage. My webpage is officially up and running uh, as of Thursday, <laughs> or when, I mean, when, yesterday. Uh, it's fully up and operational. So we are completely bonded and got our license, and we're officially in business as of UPS guy this afternoon. Oh, congratulations. We're all thrilled to death. And, um, you know, we, we'll just keep getting this out there because the industry needs, um, you know, somebody like you taking care of, uh, you have the drivers, you have the companies, and you can handle both segments. The other thing I want to announce is um, we've been talking about truck parking tonight. Uh, Richard is one of the speakers, presenters at the convention this year uh, for the truck parking shortage, along with Hope Rivenberg and Andy Borcaba. And uh, Richard is has been really, um, you know, studying these results coming in. And I know we don't have a lot of time. I'm really trying to squeeze it all in, Rich. Um, I know. About four minutes. What are the okay. highlights? In. All right. Um, I, I'm just going to go over a couple of things here real quick. Um, so far, the results coming in were um, total started surveys have been about 2,600-plus. Um, we have a 72.5% finish rate, which is very good for surveys, by the way. 
Uh, our survey is 81 to 18% male over female. And like I've stated before, um, the average age group is the highest number is 35.8% is in the 45 to 50-year-old percentage rate. Uh, how many years have you been driving? 52% uh, of the people filling out the survey have been driving for 11-plus years. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, the average or, or the highest number is 42% is the 100 to 125,000 milers. Um, we're neck and neck on the private and for hire fleet. Uh, we're running about 34 to 33%. Uh, owner operators are about 20%, and owner operator independent exempts are about 11%, which is a basic overall picture of the, of the general trucking industry itself. Uh, one thing that really kind of surprised me was the fact that 55% of the people, uh, Took the, they took the survey are doing paper logs with 44% doing e-logs. Uh, do you primarily drive a dedicated run? Big number, 82% do not drive a dedicated run. Uh, how are you paid? 64% by the mile. Uh, I'm trying to go fast here, guys. Uh, I'm going to skip the ports and surrounding facilities right now. Um, the only average, how many nights uh, at a time do you, are you away from home? Uh, very close in this one. One to three nights was 11, four to six, 26. Seven nights or, or more is 23. One month or more, surprisingly, is 23%. At that one, and two months or more is 11%. Uh, I thought that was an interesting figure, uh, just on that. Uh, this is the one, and I know we're running out of time, so I want to... From the time you decide or mandate it, we went over that. It's 42% um, of the drivers less than an hour, and 40% take more than an hour to find a place to park. I thought that was a very significant number. Yeah, that that um, is very significant, yeah. Right. The next thing is the regions of the country. Now, this does not surprise me. The number one personal experience with what region of the United States are the hardest is the Northeast. Yeah, 78.7%. Right. Uh, the next closest one I can see on here real quickly is the Southern California region. Uh, if it was up to me, I wouldn't be trucks in California. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, this one I want to go into real fast so I can knock this off. Parking locations, commercial truck stops. 53% regularly parking commercial, 34% occasionally, only 0.8% never. That was an amazing number. Uh, rest areas, no commercial services, 20% occasionally or regularly, 47% occasionally. Um, Shipper-receiver location, regularly, only 20%. Occasionally, 35, and rarely, 36%. 36%. So most, most of them don't let you park uh, there overnight. And, you know, that that's everybody knows that's a huge problem, too. So uh, I can't wait for this presentation. I know this is an awful lot of work. And we're going to try to get everybody together on this on a phone call and have a regular show um, because they have the truck driver focus group also, who's a huge part of this. So, um, did I interrupt you? Did you have more? Well, I mean, that's we're winding it down here. So, um, well, we can do a show on that, Donna. But I mean, 
you're talking about the, these results, huh? Well, you know, everybody, because there's a, the other part of this truck driving survey with the focus group. Um, Rich, you're a part of that Facebook page, the focus group. Um, there's all that going on. So, you know, we, we've extended you guys' presentation more than the 45 minutes. I mean, you're going to have like over an hour uh, because you, you're, you guys are going to have a tremendous amount of material uh, to present at the convention. And, uh, I mean, it's just a lot. I know it's a lot of work. <laughs> I well, hope the GO appreciates all this work. If I save one truck driver, then every ounce of energy I put into it is worth it. I yeah you know what amen thank you well we'll be looking forward to it um, and uh, yeah those are some interesting numbers there the northeast didn't surprise me some of the things didn't surprise me a few did but we'll um, we'll find out more maybe we can put a show together on something before the presentation so Donna so we'll just we'll just do that but we it is time to go so it's a good show a lot of a uh, lot of uh, info we got in there. Yeah, I, we kind of like we're running a race and sprinting the last 10 minutes, but we got it in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, we'll do it again, and uh, let's see. You're going to be away next week, right, Donna? Yeah. I mean, I can, uh, you know, as long as I have a computer and a phone, we can do a show. So. Um, okay. Well, we'll plan it. We'll plan it ahead. So thanks for tuning in, everybody, and everybody on the lines listening and our callers. Appreciate it. Drive safe, and we will catch you next time right here on Truth About Trucking Live. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.